are now listening to an all-new episode of The Last Man Potting. I'm your host, Amaya. Back this week with my co-host, the self-proclaimed Black Skip Bayless of podcasting. Steve, how the fuck you doing this week? I just wanted to say, uh, you know, rest in peace to Lance Reddick, man. You gave a lot of uh, classic material on the wire. So um, definitely a tough loss uh, for the acting community there. Yeah, um, and that was a surprise because he like he was like an in shape, healthy dude from what yeah. I remember. Like the last couple of sh- things I seen him in, like he he was still in there asking people, you know, to to clarify his rank and all of that type of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, he he definitely had one of my favorite lines in the wire. He said, "You make no teeth, you go behind my back, you piece of shit." That's definitely a classic line right there. Yeah, that, the wire was definitely a toxic workplace. Like you, you got supervisors calling employees pieces of shit, <laughs> and then yeah. you got like you know the little minions running behind your back to city hall all the time. Like no wonder nothing got done. Yeah, that's every workplace. Like I've never not been in a workplace where it's like that. Right, so, so this might be more of a philosophy question because it's like you got to stay in your position. Like you, that's not what you're here to do. Like we didn't hire you to think. Like we hired you to get shit done. Like. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I've learned, like, in that position, sometimes it's just time to just put your two weeks in. It's like, all right, well, look, fuck it. They, they got this dickhead in here. He don't know what he's doing. That's that's their supervisor. That's their cute little toy. Let me get the fuck out of here and let them play with this dickhead over here. So I completely agree with you. Get the fuck out of that shit. That's how I quit my first job. It was yeah. like, like I, I was working at a hardware store, and, uh, I, like, I didn't like the way – my uh my boss's dad was talking to me so i just quit and then like when i came back to get my paycheck or whatever um i was just like yeah like you, you, like your dad was in here talking crazy and it's like y'all can't be the homie one second and then be like yo get over here and do this i'm like you, you're not talking to me like that like i'm a grown man now see, they, see they, they're like it's my business i'll talk however i want to talk like they hit me with the mike tyson joint i was just like all right well i guess i'm gonna have to dip then See, what you understand my supervisor story is, I'm your supervisor, don't you get it? It's like, yeah, I get no, it. No, because, like, these guys, they at least own the store. Like, I don't know what the supervisor was talking I'm like, bro, you just work here, too. Like, you have a supervisor. Like, at least that guy, he was like, it's my business, Ahmad. I can do whatever yeah. I want. And I'm like, you're right. It is your business. That's yeah. why I got a dip, because I can't be talked to like that anymore. Right. Like, but... When you're the middleman, like, I, I don't know why you at the middleman puffing your chest out, talking about, yeah. like, hey, what did I say? And it's yeah. Like, yeah, what did you say? Like, now that we've established. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't you got to punch in your hours for somebody else, like, after you get out of here? Like, get out yeah. of here, little guy. Yeah, it's always a whole ass nigga you got to deal with on the supervisor level. Sometimes you got to go behind his back. All right, so maybe McNulty was right. That's what I'm saying. McNulty was. 100% I don't know. He, right. he 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 still was an asshole though. <laughs> it's like I f- th- th- there's probably a way to go about it where you don't just burn bridges. But th- this isn't a wire podcast. No, um, that's enough of those out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, like all these guys be like, oh yeah, you like that's not how the game is played, guys. Like, you gotta play the game. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like niggas is from the street. Like they've been in that position. Like, so yo, you get like you have no respect for the games. <laughs> and, and and you gotta remember, like, like it's a TV show and it's not a documentary. Like, right? 
Like that whole shit is fictional. Like, but my thing is, let's go to like show you how great the writing is. The fact that motherfuckers is analyzing it like like that. Like it's like, oh man, like like it's like you in like the North of Philly or some shit. Like, yeah, you can't play the game like that. But um, sp- speaking speaking of the game, um, you know, the comedy game. I feel like the comedy game is on a real downturn right now. And um, one of the things that really showed me how bad it's getting is last night, I tried to cut on the Chris Rock special. You know, I just wanted to laugh. And uh, he wasn't willing to provide any laughs. Like, as a comedian, he just decided to withhold all the laughs and just get up there and ramble about wokeness and all of the other shit that's, like, on his mind. Like, like I feel like... I feel like that uh, the jokes that I did here, because I cut it off about 10, 15 minutes in, like they would have been better suited as tweets. Like they sounded like tweets, like they weren't actual, like fully fleshed out bits and jokes and ideas. And um, it's just a shame to see, man. Like, you know, Chris Rock, he used to be good. And now he's just resigned himself to be. I don't know what that was. Like, I, I don't want to just use bad words about him, but like, yeah, that, that just was not it. I think it's a great thing when a black man can do like very uh, mediocre to trash work and, and get there and, and still get his millions. Like, I'm proud of Chris Rock, man. I think he did a great job in regards to the business aspect of it. Like, you got to hand it to the brother. He got on there. He did, what, an hour or some work. And, who you know, like they paid him millions of dollars. So, you know, you definitely see why Monique was upset. It's like, it's like, yo, like, I could do that. <laughs> Well, he probably the crib. Like, I can do that shit. Like, this yeah, nigga but did. like that's exactly what makes you a hater. Like, right. The fact that you're, you're like you're at the crib, like oh, my shit more John Blaze than that. <laughs> like, like that's that's the shit that Monique never got. It's like you might not be wrong about AB Schumer or whatever, but that doesn't make you any less of a hater. <laughs> like, right. Like you just got to congratulate that. But Rock. Yeah. He definitely looked like he was up there, like, on his I'm just here for the check, man, shit. Like, because, like, even, like, the walkout, like, you know, they played, like, the obligatory little baby beat or whatever it was behind him as he's walking out. And I'm like, yeah, like, this is just no good. Like, like, it doesn't seem like much thought was put into this. The funniest part of the special was at the beginning where they were playing his old bits. Like, they really should have just did some shit like that, just played Chris Rock's old bits for an hour. Like, that would have been much more entertaining. Well, that's what Martin does when he goes out on tour. He just comes out and is like, what's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> like, you know, he, he don't come out there and try to do no comedy in 2023. He's just like, yeah. oh, yeah. Remember the shit that made y'all laugh in the 90s? Like, you remember? Yeah. Yeah, well, you remember when that was funny? I think, no, because he did try to do, I seen him do some clips on the new tour that he's on. What's it called? The, uh... The Don't Tell tour or some shit. He'd be having all the uh, the heavy hitters on that. I can't remember what that tour is called. So he, he'd be trying to do material now. But there was a point where he did go out there and, like, he was just saying anything. Hey, man, old niggas is coming out getting that check, man. Like, I, I can't hate on it. Shit, I wish I could go and do a terrible job and get my money. Yeah, and I guess he's earned that. Like, he's earned that. Like, you know, he put in the years of the work and all of that. <laughs> And I didn't pay for it, so I can't be too upset. And I was able to just cut it off. But, like, you know, when you're asking people to come out on tour for shit like that, like, no, nah, you got you got to take that back to the drawing board. That, that's no good. You can't ask people to pay for that. That's that's like, you know, 
that's that's against the Ten Commandments or something. Like that's stealing. Like that's no good. <laughs> it's not. I'm sure those people were thoroughly entertained. You can't call it stealing. They knew what they were getting. No, because if I sign up for a Chris Rock show, I think I'm yeah. getting comedy. That yeah. wasn't comedy. <laughs> like he was just up there bullshitting, like yeah. killing. A, he was up there killing time. Like, yeah. like that was not comedy. Like hey. that's no, that's not good. Yeah, I mean the motherfuckers laugh. So hey, all right. Well, <laughs> shout out to him. Um, so you know we got a lot of shit to talk about this week. Uh, you know, getting back into the podcast and. One of the things that I wanted to talk about this week, because I, I took my first foray into extended fasting. And, you know, Steve is a professional faster over there. He, he's over there, like, you know, uh, getting rid of his demons and, and whatnot, <laughs> you know, on, on the box line fasted. So I, I felt like it would be good to come on here and talk about fasting a little bit. Um, you know, I did a 30 hour fast where I stopped eating on Sunday night and didn't eat anything again until Tuesday morning. And um, for me, like the fasting, like I approach it more from, uh, you know, the physical benefits that you can get out of it. And, you know, you can go listen to a doctor or somebody else talk to you about it. I, I won't get into all of that. But um, Steve was saying that he approached his fasting more from the mental side of, you know, you just wanted to, you know, re- get yourself back to a, like a, a reset, almost like the best, the, the last time that everything seemed to be working right. So um, so just talk about that a little bit. Like, what's your approach to fasting and, and like, what, what do you get out of it? Um, well, it's not a very good approach. It's not a very scientific approach. Um, I never prep my body for fasting. Um, like, it's pretty much, you know, but I, I think I, I guess my approach has always been like, you know, when life happens, like there's certain shit that you can't really prepare for. So this is one of those things where I'm just like, all right, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go into, you know, this fast and steep. So I think one of the biggest things that I have to get better at is like coming out of a fast is like, you know, eating more proper, like, like I just go get like a big ass pizza pie or some shit like that after it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, you're not supposed to do shit like that, but my whole life is unorthodox. So I think the biggest thing I get out of it is just like that, the feeling when I get out of it, like we talked about it on the pre-productions, like that mental clarity that you get and just like that intense focus. Like if you're able to fight through those hunger pains, it's like you can really, you know, focus on like your work, you know, whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, just like, but you're able to overcome like a lot of those, the, the, the hiccups of like the hunger pains and the headaches and stuff like that. It's like, you'll be able to get that, short-term energy boost so um there's a lot of things that i i feel like i get out of it from a mental standpoint especially like you know those things i just mentioned you know you can get into (laughs) the health and all of that but the mental side of it i think is the most important when it comes to fasting because i i started out years ago just doing the intermittent fasting just you know trying to skip breakfast and all of that type of stuff going off of things that i read on the internet But when you actually go through the process of when you're used, you go from being used to eating breakfast every day to saying, all right, I'm not going to eat till 12 o'clock or I'm not going to eat till two o'clock today. Or and then you can keep um, going further and see like pushing your limits of how long can I go without eating food? You actually realize I don't need to eat as often as I'm eating and 
that, you know, sometimes when you, when people say like, you know, I'm hangry or I need my coffee or I need, you know, my energy bar or whatever it is in the morning. It's like, you actually don't need any of that stuff. Like you've just gotten so used to it and your body has gotten used to it that you think it's something that you need to function properly. And then, you know, as you work your way up to like, you know, Steve, you said you were doing like 48 hours of no food. And it's like, you know, you don't really slow down too much. It's like, you might be a little bit fatigued. You might, you know, towards the end, like start to feel that hunger coming on a little bit stronger, but you realize like when I was doing my fast, like I still went to the gym twice. I still worked all day, was still walking around getting stuff done, like working at a high level. Like I didn't just, you know, sit in the corner all day because I wasn't eating food. And then you realize you don't really need it. So it's like, you know, you, you can, uh, function, I think a lot better just with that, that knowledge in the back of your mind. It's like, yo, I I don't need anything to function out here. Like I'm, I'm good on my own. Like the way I did it, like I didn't really go into it the the right way. Cause like, I, I just like had, you know, some popcorn, like that was like the last thing I ate on Sunday. But if I was going to go into it like the right way, I probably would have had like a high protein meal with some vegetables, something like that to like really um, make sure that my stomach was, was satiated for a long time. But I'm, I've been like fasting on and off for years. So I'm just used to going like, I can go 20 hours without eating no problem. Like, so, you know, just pushing all the way through the end of the day wasn't that much harder for me to do where for somebody else, like, you know, if you're used to just eating every five, six hours, or as soon as you wake up, you grabbing, you grabbing food. Um, Cause I was reading this book the other day about blood sugar. And they were talking about this lady that she, she had gotten herself so used to eating. Like she, she couldn't go without three hours. She couldn't go three hours without eating. Cause like her blood sugar would drop that much to where she would get fatigued. She would get lightheaded because she just got herself so used to, so used to eating all of the time and eating foods that were high in sugar. So it's like your body just can adapt to those bad habits. So it's like fasting is one of the best ways to start to break your, um, your inclination to, to eat things that aren't good for you. But that's always my biggest issue is like getting the, the coffee. Cause like you said, just getting used to that. Cause you know, I got to get up at two in the morning every day to get on the box line. And, you know, sometimes you know, my energy is low cause I've been eating poor foods the night before eating whatever I wanted to eat. So sometimes I get two, three cups of coffee just to get me through the box line. So that's like always the biggest thing is like go without that coffee I feel like that really kind of helps me from a mental standpoint. Like, okay, I really don't need the coffee like that. But, you know, coffee's been a big addiction for me over the past eight, nine months. It's like just, you know, brutal with the coffee. Yeah, but you also, like, don't be sleeping. <laughs> it's, it's sometimes it's hard to sleep, like, when the sun is out, too. And, you know, yeah. also just... Because, like, I'll talk to you sometimes and you'll be yeah. like, like, we'll be doing pre-production. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to sleep for, like, three hours. Then I'm going to hit the yeah. box line. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no no shit. You're drinking four cups of coffee to get through the box line. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. Like, also, to, like, I don't know your experience. You get up early. Do you find it hard to sleep sometimes at night, like, getting up that early? No, not really, because... See, I'd be tired, but my body just be like, yo, we supposed to be doing some other shit right now. I don't, my circadian rhythm is all fucked up. I gotta well, I think a, a lot of that comes from what we eat. 
Yeah. And and it like there's a lot of um evidence out there that eating certain things at certain times of the day and doing certain things at certain times of the day throws off your natural circadian rhythm. And what like I've actually like made it a goal to just get more in line with like going to sleep when the sun's going down and waking up when the sun's coming up or not being asleep in the in the morning, like when the sun's up. Like just doing stuff like that, or like if if people are laying in the bed when they're awake, um, like stuff like that can throw off your circadian rhythm. Yeah, like, if you, like when you get up in the morning, like the worst thing you can do is to lay in the bed and like scroll through your phone for a half an hour because you're not really waking your body all the way up. It's like mentally you're you're awake because you're scrolling, you're reading something, but the yeah. body is still at rest. So it's like you gotta put the whole system into motion, like turn the lights on if you can yeah. go outside and get sunlight if you can. But it's like little stuff like that is like the things that like throw off people's circadian rhythm. It's like, it's not just, Oh, you know, your coffee or whatever. It's like everything you're doing throughout the day. It's like, you really do kind of have to cue yourself to get a good night's sleep. Like when you're waking up in the morning yeah. and that was like something like I learned from just like trial and error. Cause like I kept trying to like get an earlier sleep time. Cause I'm like, I'm a, I'm a figure out how to get this seven hours of sleep every day. Cause like sleeping like five, four or five hours a day just wasn't working out. I'm like, I got to get the right amount of rest and you're actually way more productive when you do. So I don't really believe in all that, that shit that people be saying nowadays. It's like, Oh yeah, you can't be sleep. You got to. Like, you know, that Steve Harvey program. Yeah. It's like, you can't be sleeping. That's a third of your life. You got to get some paper. It's like, no. Like, I'm way more productive when I sleep more. Like, I yeah. was asleep for 12 hours yesterday. And I, I feel very refreshed. Well, you know, and uh, we definitely got to get into the, you know, the 50 Cent book. There's been a lot of shorts popping up. And he talked about that. He said, yeah, a lot of the millionaires, they, like, they get the proper amount of sleep. Because he was talking about that, like, how he grind and stuff like that. And he said he started trying to change a couple of habits like yeah like i try to make up for it like on the weekends and stuff like that so sleep is very important young people out there it, i feel like when you get the right amount of sleep <clears throat> you're just more productive in the waking hours because yeah. most of the time like when people are saying oh yeah i can't sleep that much it's because they're up doing things that like they're doing they're up doing things like with poor efficiency yeah. It's like it's like when you're up and you're like you're trying to type out something like oh yeah I'm catching up on my work or whatever and you're drinking coffee and shit to stay awake you're not doing a good job no. like you'd be better off like going to sleep early and doing that shit at three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning with no food or anything in your system when your brain is at its optimal functioning and like because like I've learned that like when I try to do shit at like four or five o'clock in the morning, like my ideas are a lot more crisp. Like, like I get stuff done a lot better. Like when I do it really early in the morning. So I try to get everything I really need to get done before eight o'clock. And then after that, you know, go into like lighter work or something like that. But like the most important shit in the day, like that's the first thing that I do. Like, I don't try to save it to after work oh, yeah, I'm going to get this shit done after work. Because I used to be that guy. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this done after work and all of that. And th that shit never works. Because yeah. like, by the time you get home, you're, like, you're burnt out. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get back to that tomorrow. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest takeaway that I have from this conversation is that I have to stop looking at butt naked bitches on Instagram when I wake up. I just have to just get up, cut the light on, maybe do a couple of push-ups or something, but no more nothing butt naked bitches on IG. Yeah, I unfollowed all the butt naked bitches on IG no, a while ago because it's just a distraction. I gotta have like, my, I gotta have my butt naked bitches. I gotta. Yeah, and, and then and then like you be stopping at the strip club to avoid yeah. traffic and shit. Like, <laughs> like you might be these like just cut your overall intake of butt naked bitches. It's like you got butt naked bitches on the phone, and then, <laughs> then you at the titty bar for no good fucking reason. Like, Ew. you Ew. you gotta cut down. I have massive road rage, man. I can't be in the fucking middle of the road rage at 5.30 in the afternoon. I have to spend two to three hours at the strip club until that traffic subsides. Sometimes four to five hours because, you know, seven, eight o'clock traffic sometimes is bad. So sometimes I got to be in a strip club till 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock just, just to make sure that the traffic, I can get home, you know, safely in a, in a, in a efficient hour. And, and that's why you don't get any sleep. <laughs> like... It's like it's like he's like Steve. Yeah, I'm exhausted. It's like, well, how, like, what were you doing last night? It's like, well, I was at the strip club till about ten o'clock. Then I went home, slept for two hours, then hit the box line. <laughs> 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 then, 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 then I was trying to write my bits. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I can write better bits of sleepy off of two hours of sleep than that Chris Rock shit. This, this nigga does everything backwards. <laughs> about, yeah, like, I'm tired. <laughs> and, 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 and you know what's funny? It's like, it's like that's the same schedule that you used to say like you had like five years ago, but it's like now you're a washed old man. Like you can't be doing that shit anymore. <laughs> it's like you're not 24 anymore. Like you gotta no. go home and get some rest. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely gotta go home and get some rest. Um, but that's that so, hypnotic rhythm shit, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's, just, that's the hit. That's well, that's a perfect segue into hypnotic rhythm. Um, so you know, this week we're talking about another book, and uh, Steve wanted to talk about the outwitting the devil. That this uh, Napoleon Hill book <laughs> is um, it, it's it's become popular, I guess, in the last couple of years. It got published in 2011, but it was written in 1938 by this guy napoleon hill where it's presented to you as this interview between him and the devil where he's elaborating on his philosophy basically on how to become successful napoleon hill's philosophy and the gist of it is that you know the average person in society is caught well not the average person according to him 98 percent of people in society are caught up in this drifting rhythm of eating bad food, um, wasting their time on things that aren't productive and caught up in the monotony of life or oversexed, all of these different things. And um, that's what's stopping them from driving the big car, living in the big house and getting all of the paper like Henry Ford and John D. Rockefeller and any other industrialist that Napoleon Hill wanted to slob off um, for four <laughs> hours during this audiobook. And, um, you know, we we originally wanted to read it because st- we were talking about like some of these like new age um, self-help gurus, these quote unquote spiritual self-help gurus that uh, claim that they've 
crack the code of uh, existence and they want to present all these highfalutin ideas at you. And um, I guess like as a person who studies all of that kind of stuff, like I study ancient religions and esoteric things and all of that. Like I just saw all of the bullshit that was in the book and I, I, I didn't really see too much value in it. Like it was entertaining. Like I laughed a lot when I was listening to it, and I don't think it was meant to be comedic. So, um, yeah, like I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but uh, it's out there if you if you want to if you got four hours to kill. Like I was on a road trip this week, so I had a lot of time in the car. Um, so yeah, that, that's my opinion. Of outwitting so the, the devil. So, what was your major issues with uh, outwitting the devil? The main thing is like he gives the devil way too much credit or the yeah. idea of the devil way too much credit because like at first he starts explaining it that the devil's the negative part of the electron. Then he says like the devil and God are in this like eternal struggle and all of this other just really dumb shit. And it's just like, <laughs> like I, I don't have any other way to say it because it's right. like, like I just think the idea of the devil is just re- a really dumb thing that you teach children, and like trying to intellectualize a dumb idea makes you sound even dumber. And it's like that's what this book tries to do. Like you know, because when you look at the world, and this is my view, like when you look at the world, you don't see evil. Like when you look at the rain and the sun and the weather patterns and all that, there's nothing evil out there. Like you don't see evil in the animal kingdom. Like when you see evil, you're typically talking about something that someone did. Like, oh, that was some bad shit. Like this guy wants to poison the water supply. Like when you see like what's going on in Flint, like that's evil. Like, I don't put that on any supernatural deity. Like where in this book, he's trying to say like, oh, the thing that makes lightning bang, that's the devil. Like, that's just stupid to me. Yeah. Right. Um, because like, you know, I have eyes and ears and I've lived a while. Like, that's just dumb. So to get caught up in those type of ideas, like with that pseudoscience and all of that, like I can't accept any of that in. Now as an audiobook. It's funny as shit because he has some guy reading the devil part talking about, oh, yeah, and I, like when I'm in the electron, I hit you with the sauce. And then it's, just <laughs> like, it's like I get like, you know, impressionable people would read this and, and think that he's saying something deep. But like when you actually have some level of awareness and you study the etymology of words and some of the thought processes and philosophies that he's um, co-opting in the book, you just see that it's, it's really bullshit. And and then like, you know, he tries to throw some Bible verses in there and give some, some um, weird explanation for them. And like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. good, bro. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like when you talk about the animal kingdom, like there's no malevolence in that. And it's like, you know, because it's not personal, right? It's like, you know, a, a lion sees a hyena and it's like, yo, dog, like, you, you just a food for the day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like a supervisor that's hovering over you while you're trying to do your job, telling you, you know, you're doing your job. Like, it's, you know, it's 
It's not a personal thing. So, like, I, with this book, I think Napoleon Hill is one of these interesting figures where, like you said, like all these spiritual gurus, they suck his dick for whatever reason. It's like, oh, Napoleon Hill's sex transmutation and all that type of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's funny that you talk about how he's taking stuff from the Bible because niggas will tell you, yo, don't, don't read that Bible shit. Read this stick and grow rich shit. Like, you can get you some money. It's like, I'm like, bro, like, this nigga just a man. Like he just came up with this shit and just put it all together and put it in a book. So I, I gotta respect it for the creativity uh standpoint of it. You know, it's like uh, you know, Biggie Smalls, give me the loop. It's like like that type of shit. Like a conversation with the devil. Like he's sitting there like really talking to the devil. Like it's, it's kind of some player shit, like if you kind of think about it from an artistic standpoint, like damn, how you think of that shit? That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like I think for that part of it. It's like you know it has some entertainment value like yeah. like I like I give it the same level of um weight that I would like you know a Damien by DMX or like you said a, a give right. it a loop like but those had the decency to be less than 5 minutes long like this is a 4 hour audiobook which yeah. again I was on a road trip this week so I I finished it because I said you know what I'm a I'm a finish this shit just so I can come on the podcast and say I finished it. I didn't tap out a couple minutes in and I gave this guy a chance to see if he was going to tell me something that wasn't common sense because he goes on in the book to say, "Oh yeah, this is the problem with the school system. This is the problem with the church." And maybe it's not common sense, maybe it's just because I'm into reading about history and how organizations are formed and how governments have been formed and stuff like that. So like to say that the school system and the testing and all of that, you know, puts people in this drifter mindset to me, like that's not a revelation. Right. Like that's not like, you're not really saying anything too profound when you say like, you know, teaching people how to pass standardized tests isn't, you know, stimulating your the creative faculties that are in your mind. It's like, We all know this. Um, or maybe we don't. Like, maybe we don't. And somebody needs to read this and get this from Napoleon Hill. But um, it's also, it's like, I don't trust anybody who doesn't cite their sources. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're co- when you're saying things like hypnotic rhythm and some of the other concepts that he's putting on the spiritual realm or on the divine realm, He's clearly taking things from um, the Kabbalion. He's taking things from the Hermetica. He's taking things from Jewish mysticism. He's taking things from Gnostic texts. Like, and he's almost taking them verbatim in some parts. And I don't respect you if you don't say this is where you got it from. Because now you're trying to prop yourself up instead of saying that this is just a philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's like, like... I don't like when people present philosophy as like their own personal revelation. And it's like, cause these philosophies have existed for thousands of years and they don't have any owners. And I think like, like that's the problem. Like that's how you get like these modern religious leaders who, who can prop themselves up because they know that they've read the source material, but they only want to give you the cliff notes. And a lot of people don't know that they're getting the cliff notes. So they're just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Napoleon Hill, Noble Drew Ali, Father Divine, 
like L. Ron Hubbard, like like you know, you could keep naming them. It's like, yeah, this guy, this guy got the shit. It's like, no, he doesn't, bro. Like, he read some shit that you know, two thousand years ago, a large part of the population were reading these type of things, and they understood these type of things. You just don't now, and you, no one has the internet. Like, you can make it seem like you're re- like you're revealing things that about nature and about society that it's like, oh, God, this, this guy knows something that none of us know. It's like, no, he's just reading something from a thousand years ago that's been buried. And yeah. every like people understood it a thousand years ago. That's why their architecture and all of these different things were a lot more advanced. But like that also happens during the renaissance period where there's a lot of people in europe that are reading those texts and things for the first time in a thousand years and they come up with a lot of innovative scientific ideas and and new uh religious ideas and all of that a lot of it always just comes down to something gets lost in history a understanding that used to be there gets lost and a group of people come back into that knowledge at a certain time, but it's usually nothing spooky. It's usually, it's like, Oh shit, we found this, this tunnel and we, we were deciphering the tablets in this tunnel and now everybody can read them because they're in circulation. Napoleon Hill knows that because why do you think it is that people are more willing to read, you know, like a Napoleon Hill book or somebody like a Napoleon Hill than reading you say like a Bible, like, and I guess the Bible is probably the best example in the West of a book from antiquity that we have. And it's like most people, when you look at modern language, a lot of our words, the, the context that we use them in the meaning, it, it stems from the Bible. Like the root is in there or it's in the Septuagint because a lot of our words are from Latin or Greek or whatever. So why do you think people are are not willing to read that, but they're willing to read this guy give you like the short version of it? Well, I, I think that he's kind of making things sound sexy in regards to like this purpose driven life, like this idea that you have this, you know, this purpose and, you know, you got to put everything inside, you know, purpose. And you hear all these guys talk about it now. It's like you can tell everybody's reading the same shit because like every time you look at anybody, it's, oh, you don't. Purpose, you gotta build your purpose up. So, like, I, I think it's just more or less like that idea. Like you said, think and go rich. I think just the idea of materialism. Like it, I think people feel like he's giving you a shortcut to, you know, you could have all these things and get salvation through your material items. So, I, other than that, like, I, I, I that's the closest answer I could get to is that you know, I and I, I don't think you're too far off. Like when you say that because. Most of these books that when I like, I like to scroll through the um, the audio book app and just see what's on there, because like when you listen to um, some of these older books, they start suggesting you uh, books by these newer writers. And it's like, you know, you get like the Malcolm Gladwell's, you get the um, um, who's it, Robert Greene and, and like all of these guys. And they're like, oh, yeah read the how to get rich or how many laws of power or the art of deception or the art of agreement or the 12 rules for this or the seven rules for that. And it's like, 
why would I read that when I know that all of these guys are just reading ancient religious books? And then they're just translating that into a different format for a modern audience because the, a secular audience is probably a more accurate way to say it because they know you're never going to pick up the Bible. But anytime somebody keeps throwing the numbers seven and 12 and three yeah. and four at you, you know what they read. Like they, because you're only getting that from a couple of different places in the West. Like, you know, if you're from if you're from a different tradition, like you might the numbers might be a little bit different. The wording might be a little bit different, but you're also only getting it from one place, like one or two, one or two couple of places. So I I guess like these guys like overtly attach it to materialism. So like that gets people more excited because it's like the 50 laws of power doesn't really have like a moral demand as when you say like read the law of Moses, like right. where it's like Moses is gonna break you down the law of how to conduct yourself like a hu- like a upright human being, and that is probably gonna make you as prosperous as you just studying this guy's twelve laws of commerce. Yeah, you gotta you gotta uh, read some book where some other man is telling you to set goals and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, did you really need another man to tell you, like, yo, get on your business, stop bullshit? <laughs> like, but I guess people need that. I, I don't know. What's your shit? You can't be sleep. You gotta get you some paper. Yeah, you gotta get you some. And that's the other thing too. Like with these guys, it's like they act like getting money is the epitome, right? Because it's like, all right, well, after after you have the money and you listen to the devil tell you how to get money because like that's what the book does it's like oh yeah like the highest like what did he say in the book he was like the highest duty you have is to yourself mr Mr. devil don't you think that's selfish he's like no i think you're supposed to turn it up you're supposed to get as much paper (laughs) as possible like it's like all right it's like all right mr devil after i get all of the paper like is it okay to help people it's like why would you do that like you're supposed to help yourself He's, he's like, what, what about your parents? Oh, fuck them. This supposed to help you. But I, I think this might be the last time we let Steve choose a book for the book club. Because <laughs> that one's a little out there. It's, it's pretty out there. But I, I, it's, it's, it's like last week we're talking about breathing. Now we're talking about the negative part of the electron. I'm like, I'm like, what is this podcast? Yo, I, I figured you could get your shit off with that one. Like, you know, talking about all the shit that you were just talking about. So I, I, I think that uh, it was a good choice for me. Yeah, but I'm, I'm probably going to edit a lot of that out because I don't know how interesting that is to people that aren't me. Because it's like, I'm interested in reading that shit, but when you look at how many people have read these books and like how poor a lot of the scholars die that like really got into the weeds with this shit, it's like, yeah. no, nobody's really interested in that stuff. Like, it's esoteric for a reason. Well, yeah, them niggas didn't uh, break down the negative part of the electron, so that's why they died poor. Oh, yeah, my fault. I forgot. <laughs> hey, I forgot. My, my bad. Um, so you know that that book uh, reminded me of a movie that I watched last week, and I told Steve he should watch it for this week. Uh, Total Recall, 
It's a classic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie I never, I had never seen before from the eighties, where he basically plays this guy that wants to get a memory installed in his brain of a trip to Mars and shit goes left. That's probably the easiest way to describe the movie. Um, but it's basically like a futuristic movie and it has like a lot to say about, you know, what human society would be like if we got to the point where we're colonizing other planets. But, uh, what, what did you think of the movie, Steve? Well, I do think it's interesting from a couple of different fronts. Like for one, the idea of somebody putting, uh, an implant in your mind, like, I don't know what I have to be at what level to do that. Cause it's like, you can pretty much create whatever, you know, world you want around you, you know, just figure that shit the fuck out. So it's like, why do I need to pretend that somebody put a fake memory in my mind? But like, you kind of see like how dystopian those people kind of thought, like we talked about it before, like with a lot of those eighties and nineties directors and movie writers where like, there's a lot of shit where they talk about that, that where even with the money, it's like, yeah, you know, 800 credits. You remember that part? So it's like, you know, the, the memory was going to cause. Oh, yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. So uh, and I guess it's kind of like the concept of the metaverse, like, you know, you go into this certain spot and getting the memory put into your mind. Um, you know, we also kind of talked about that. It's like that idea of that level of greed where it's like you need to control all of the air. <laughs> and it's like there's a machine where like if you unlock this machine it's like you'll be able to you know create a better life for everybody around you but it's like no nah, like i need to colonize all this fucking air and people need to be paid me and only me only i get the glory of distributing this air you know like that level of i guess you could call it wickedness it's like it's like you know why do you need to do all that it's like you already have everything like why do you need to control the air like that's it that is crazy yeah it, it's it says a lot about power and yeah. what people what people want with power. Because, like, I personally think, like, you know, it's very powerful to know things. And that's why I like to research things. But I don't I don't feel like using that power to take advantage of other people where, you know, in this movie, they're showing the guy that has the power like he knows that he can transform the atmosphere of Mars to make breathable oxygen for everybody. And that that knowledge has been there in the movie for a thousand years, but everybody's keeping it a secret because they want to keep the power and they would rather like give people uh, these mental fantasies, like implant a fantasy in your head about trips to Mars or about, you know, delusions of grandeur and all of this, then give people oxygen and give them air. Like, I found that like really interesting because it's like, that's what we're doing now in society. It's like, you know, you got VR, you got, um, you know, video games, you got the metaverse and all of that type of stuff. It's like, they want you to be online doing all of this stuff. And like, you know, don't ever leave your house. And then like, they gave us the experiment of that two years ago. They were like, just stay in the house all of the time. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> 80s movies showed us things that are coming into reality now. And I think some things that aren't too far off in the future. It's like like that memory chip shit, like they can't be too far off from that, like with these VR glasses and shit. 
Like, because, like, VR is damn near there. Yeah, well, that, that was definitely, like, note to self. Like, when he had to pull that chip out of his brain, I was like, yeah, don't don't get one of them joints. That shit look painful to get the fuck out. Like, and, and this is the thing with technology, too, because I'm reading this book a couple weeks ago about uh, blood sugar, and they're talking about how you can get these blood sugar monitors installed under your, your skin to continuously monitor your blood glucose levels, and it'll send you notifications to your phone. Now, it's like, it's really good for diabetics, but like they're talking about like for athletes, you can put stuff like that in your body and you can start to learn and like you can take it further and further and further. On one hand, I think it's cool to know, like to like learn about your body chemistry on that level, but like... You don't know if the company that makes that that chip, if they're selling that information to a third party, when the wrong hands get on that information, like what can they do with that now? It's like, oh shit, like we know exactly how Ahmad's blood sugar is is happening. Like we can control them now. <laughs> Cause like you know that like, there's always that that control, the air guy is out there. And he's like, yo, if we hack into the blood sugar company, we'll have them. Like they'll be ours. <laughs> yeah, all the niggas are we ours. They'll be dunking basketballs, whatever we told them. They'll be rapping, whatever we told. If they stop, we'll cut their blood sugar off. Yeah, because it's like, like that's where I see this shit is going. Because like, there's a there's a lot of stuff that they just advertise to you now that I say like when I first hear about, it, I'm like, you know what? That sounds cool. But then I think about it, I'm like, do I really need to know what substrate my body is using to produce energy at this moment in time? Like, is it that important to track this information? And do you want to start putting foreign things in your body just to get a notification on your phone? We're not far off from this total recall shit. Oh, oh, definitely. But like, even I thought the most interesting part of it was like the mind control aspect of like, this guy don't even know who he is. Like, he got like five different personalities he's quaid he's hauser uh but like that was the funniest part when they strap him to the chair and it's like he's talking to himself it's like yeah good job you killed quato like now we're about to go have orgies at the, at the boy what's his name like uh the other, the, the, the oh, yeah, yeah, guy. I forget like the, the mr burns looking guy yeah yeah <laughs> it's like like, yo, that was the best part of the movie where he, um, he's like, yeah, you know, shorty gonna be yours. Like, he's like, yeah, what this chair gonna do? It's gonna make you respectful, appreciative, and cooperative. I'm like, where the hell do, can I get one of the machines at? Like, well, that was like, get out. That, like, they, they was like yeah. doing like the little get out, like lobotomizing people. Yeah. How desperate people get in certain situations where they feel like there's no hope. Cause like, dude knew. Like, in that scenario where he's coming in, it's like, yo, you had to lobotomize the one bull. Like, it's like, oh, no, that was cool. Like, we paid him off, whatever. But he still goes with through with the procedure, knowing that he could potentially have to get lobotomized. So, like, that that's that just goes to show you the dep- desperation when you put people under that type of deprivation. And the root of it was he was so bored with his real life. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the movie, like, you know, cause he's just a construction worker, even though he's married to Sharon Stone, like when Sharon Stone was fine and shit, it yeah, like, it was like that, that wasn't good enough for him. That's it's fine. like, 
it's, it's, it's like, so you got the baddest bitch that a construction worker ever had. <laughs> and, 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 and she's like, yeah, like, let's go on a vacation to Saturn. And that's not good enough for you. So you decide you want to go down and get this fake vacation to Mars installed in your memory. Right. But like, like that shows like, you know, sometimes I think people can get these delusions in their head sometimes. And it reminded me of like, that's kind of like what Instagram is. Like Instagram is showing people like this fantasy, this fantasy world of, Oh yeah, like I make a million dollars every two weeks. Why don't you? Cause you're a lazy piece of shit. Or, or it's like, you could be just like me if you did this, that, and the third. And like you get these, these Instagram gurus getting people to drain their bank account to, uh, to join their, their training program or some shit. It's like, Oh yeah, like give me $7,000. I'll show you how to drive a Maybach and fuck a bad bitch. I'm telling you, it's easy. And it's like, that's what they're selling in this book. It's like, Oh, you want to. You want to think you went to Mars and you were the captain of the Galactic Confederacy and you defeated the 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 renegade force? Like we got you. We gonna install that right there. And um, yeah, it, it's just unfortunate. Uh, well, I, I think like that was like as a movie that was the best part of it. Like how um, because like I remember just from a comedy standpoint, you know, the late great Chris. Chris Cotton, he always told me, he's like, yeah, when you write jokes, you always want to leave it up to interpretation, leave it up to, you know, the viewer's imagination. And, like, as a, from a viewer standpoint, as a movie, I thought that was the best part of the movie where they kind of left it up to interpretation. It was like, was this guy, like, programmed to go to that place to, you know, get that memory installed, to, you know, go to Mars and do all that type of stuff, like... Is, was he really an agent or is he really a construction worker? You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was like the best part in regards to the entertainment value of the movie. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, does it matter? Right. Because it's, if he got the memory installed and they told him it was real, he's going to think it's real anyway. And, and if it wasn't real, then no harm, no foul. Like maybe he can go back to his life and continue fucking Sharon Stone and being <laughs> sad about it. Like, like, and, and, and also just being built like, like a Greek god, like that, that wasn't good enough for him either. Right. Like, I, I need to go to Mars. I need Mars. <laughs> it, it does like, seem a little ridiculous. Maybe they should have got like a plumber built motherfucker. Like, it's like, like, Arnold's just a little, he's a little bit too like stacked, like to be like, yeah, yeah so forth. I'm, I'm like, this guy looks like he could accomplish whatever the fuck he wants. Like, he doesn't seem like the guy that's like, yeah, installed the fake Mars memory. Yeah, yeah it's I like, I'm just, I'm just not good enough. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I got a, I got built like a fucking stone statue. I got the baddest <laughs> bitch in the world, but it just, it's just not good enough. I have to be yeah. somebody else. Does that look like a guy who wants to be somebody else? Like, no, he's, he's like, no, I'm killing it. Like, <laughs> if you were built like that, would you want to be somebody else? Like, like no, I need to be Quaid. Like, <laughs> like Quaid's doing better than me. It's like, I need to be fucking like, right, bro. <laughs> I need to be Quaid. Like, uh, I'm like, that's, a, that's an ungrateful nigga. Like, yeah, it's, like, like, it's like more, more bitches. Like, more, like, I, I think like to just to put a button on it. Um, I think we need more movies like that too. Like those, uh, those those futuristic movies because i want to see what people think the future is going to be like from here because like like 
from here, what's your favorite thing to say? It's all downhill from here, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, if they was thinking that shit in the 80s, I don't even want to know what a nigga would think, like, and because was that movie was based in 2084. Like, I don't yeah, it was like 2084 what, or something like that. I don't want to know what the year 3084 is going to look, or 3023 or whatever. I don't want to know what that's going to look like. But, like, that wasn't even, that was, they were only predicting, like, 100 years ahead. Like, 100 right. years from now, I, I have no idea. Right, exactly. Like, cause, cause th- this shit is already off the rails. <laughs> exactly. It's that we damn it. We're like 10, 15 years away from that shit, that Mars shit that they was talking about total recall. Like, I can't imagine what they were I don't know. E- Elon Musk was trying to figure out Mars, but yeah. like, like I, I think he's distracted with Twitter now. Yeah. Well, of course. Well, you probably didn't get to that, uh, part in the Chris Rock special anyway. So there's no need to even talk about it. Oh, that. no, I, I, that's when I cut it off when he's yeah. like, Elon Musk comes more than anybody else. And I'm yeah. like, why? Why, why is that your bits? Like, yeah. Like that, that's your bits, bro. Like Elon Musk coming. That, that's your bits. <laughs> like that, that's really what that Chris Rock special should have been called. The harder they fall. Like that's what that should have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's the real heart of they fall. Like I like I, I I'm done. I'm I'm washed yeah. down. Shut the fuck up and get in the box, nigga. Shut the fuck up and get in the box, nigga. But, well, but you know, like I, I think that's like the biggest takeaway that I have, like, from this conversation. You know, DMX made a five minute song and covered all his bases. Like some of this shit you don't need two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. Like <laughs> DMX made it makes me a five minute song, like about how the shit go down. Like some of you things, like you gotta learn the art of brevity. But how you say it, brevity? I can't. Yeah, talking about you gotta learn how to keep this shit short. Like learn. From yeah, DMX. keep that shit simple. Like keep yeah. it. Like get to the point. Yeah, it's like it's like yo, like this nigga, like he want me to keep killing things, but I don't want to. Like, but it's too late because I already sold my soul. Like get the song, like. <laughs> I see like ain't nothing but trouble ahead <laughs> yeah like he, he didn't go on like there wasn't a part two a part three it like, actually was a part two and a part three. Oh well yeah my bad I was see I didn't listen to them shits it's like like because cause I'm like I don't need and previously on Damien I'm like, no yeah. bro like I, I get it like he yeah the omen was on the second album and then he made a part three on the Great Depression which nobody heard that album at all so he blew his load in like his first year. Like yeah. he dropped two, he dropped two albums in that first year, and then after that, the rest of his albums have a lot of filler. Yeah, that's, that's, I think I'm, that's I'm, pretty obvious, though. I might have been the only nigga that listened to that Great Depression album. He, he's like, I like that song though. <laughs> he was definitely out of ideas at that point. <laughs> I like that song. Now I know. Well, I, I, can stop the ring. Like, he's just in there doing anything. <laughs> and then it's like, we got it. He's like, no, now I do. Like, <laughs> he, really thought, he thought he was Stevie Wonder or some shit. <laughs> he was really singing on the records. Yeah, he was just in there singing. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm singing now. <laughs> So um yeah, on that note, we're gonna keep it brief. We're gonna we're gonna take our own advice. We're gonna keep it brief. We wanna end the podcast right there. We wanna thank y'all for listening. And we'll be back next week, all new episode of The Last Men Potty. <laughs>